this morning. And uh, thank you, Pastor Sheldon and Samantha, for the opportunity to share the word with the congregation this morning. It's a real privilege. And uh, have you been enjoying uh, going through the book of John verse by verse as we started a couple of weeks ago? I hope you are. Pastor Sheldon's been doing an incredible job with that. And so um, I'm just going to continue on and finish the first chapter as he's taken us right up until verses 35 of John chapter 1. And so if you do have your Bibles, you can go to John chapter 1. And... um, Sheldon's way of uh, bringing uh, the focus out of John is going to be the elevation and the worship and the recognition of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go on with that theme this morning as, as John is an incredible book that does bring so much sight and opens our eyes to see Jesus. And so that's, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and so I'm going to read... Um, this passage of scripture from verses 35 to verses 51. And then I'm just going to highlight three things. And as I read, I'm going to just make note of things that I think are really touching and exciting. And then I'm going to come back and just land on three things that uh, I know I believe that is going to be a blessing to us this morning. If I would have an overriding Um, title of this morning's sermon, it would be Ladder. Ladder, yeah, Ladder. So we would uh, get to see that in a moment. So verses 35. So good to have my mom with us this morning. Hello, Muriel Phillips. God bless you. It's a privilege to have my mom here this morning. Uh, Verses 35. Again, the next day, this is the day after Sheldon preached about Jonathan had last week. He says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Now, a lot of scholars believe, and you're going to see that this was Andrew, but a lot of scholars believe that this was John himself. So it's a John appearance in the book of John. So uh, the two disciples that are standing with John, uh, Andrew and John, John standing with his disciples. This is the next day after the baptism and this incredible sight of the heavens opening and the dove coming upon Jesus and John declaring this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Verses 36, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. I want you to see the Lamb of God. I think he's talking to his two disciples and he's releasing another witness. He said that yesterday and he's saying it again today. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned. Whoa. Just take a note of that. That's really powerful. And Jesus turned and seeing them follow, said to them, what do you seek? Now, these are the first words recorded of Jesus in this gospel, the gospel of John. In your Bible, it's the first red letter edition. This is the first thing Jesus says. And the first thing that he says is, what are you looking for? What are you seeking for? And they said to him, teacher, rabbi. Uh, Where do you stay? 
I don't know if that's a normal response, but that's the response they gave him. Where are you staying? There's something in that. And verses 39, the Bible says, Then he said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. That was early in the morning. They remained with him the entire day. Now it was about the 10th hour. So early in the morning and then they stood, stayed with him for the rest of the day. Verses 40. One of the two, heard, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He's he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ or the anointed one. Verses 42, And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, and you will be called Cephas. Now I don't know if in the day that Andrew spent with Jesus, that Andrew told Jesus who his brother was. I think that this is actually Jesus having incredible insight that before Simon even says a word to Jesus, this is how Jesus knows us. Before Simon even says a word to Jesus, Jesus looks at Simon. Simon's going to have an incredible life. Oh, he's going to have lots of challenges. But he's going to have an incredible life for Jesus. Before Simon even says hello introduces himself, Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon, which means reed or one that blows in the wind. And he says, but I'm going to make you stable, Simon. And I know that uh, Andrew, who's bringing Simon to Jesus, is going, no, you don't know him. I see him in business. And he's really impetuous, and we've seen it through the Gospels. But Jesus speaks into Simon's life and he says, I know what God, I know how God is going to work in your life. And I know uh, as you follow me, something incredible is going to happen to you, Simon. Then verses 43, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So there's some finding Jesus through John, the disciple saying, follow him. Then there's Andrew who goes and he brings his brother and he says, come on, I want you to meet the one that I know is the Messiah. And some, Simon finds him that way and some people find him that way. And then there's some that Jesus just walks up to. And he says to them, he says, he says to Philip, follow me. I want you to just follow me. Just walk after me. And uh, I think that's so amazing. That Jesus can do that in an individual's life and just come up to somebody and go, follow you. So I don't know if you've been brought. I don't know if somebody pointed you in the way to go and follow Jesus. Or maybe in a service, some, the Lord just came to you and said, follow me. And from that day, you started to follow him. And then now Philip, uh, where are we? Verses 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. This is a whole network of people. These were just ordinary men. They didn't, come, they didn't go to the, the Levitical school. They were in business. They were powerful men. It's really important to note that they were seekers. There was an established system of the Pharisees. Right? And... 
you'd go through the temple worship. They didn't abandon that. But if you understand that they, they followed a wild man in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and eating locusts. Because he came preaching a different message. He came preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And these young men who were in fishing business had a deep desire to begin to know what's the next thing God's doing. And so that's why you find them with John. And that's why you find them going to get Simon and saying, the thing we've been talking about, who is the Messiah? Is the Messiah near? Are we going to see the Messiah? He says, the thing that we've been searching for, I want you to come and see. We found the Messiah. And so they were seekers. They were looking. They were engaging. They were hungry. They wanted to know. And because of that, this entire network of people all of a sudden is shifting into Christ. That's, just a, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to know. That when God comes fishing in your world, he's fishing for your network. Your whole network can come to know the Lord. He's not picking one from this city and one from that city and one from that city and one from that city. There's just a whole group of five guys that come in at one shot. Five or six guys, whatever's mentioned here. Verses 45. And then Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. Oh, sorry. Then now, verses 44. Now Philip was from Bethany the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael, which is also known as a disciple by the name of Bartholomew. Now Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, and Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. He's not fake. He's not false. He's not wearing a mask. It's just, it's, it's just you know, we can't, you can't, you, you have to protect yourself because sometimes you just can't be honest with everybody. And when Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, he's not wearing a mask. He's just taken everything off. What you see in Nathaniel is what you get. And Nathaniel is sort of blown away by that. And Nathaniel said, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, okay, now, you, now, now you've got my attention, Rabbi. You are son of God. You are king of Israel. Something happened. Something was, it wasn't the day before. Something happened to Nathaniel under that fig tree. Nathaniel was going through something under the fig tree. Bible doesn't make it clear. But the fact that Jesus said, I saw you in the moment that you were under that fig tree. I don't know what he was doing under the fig tree. But Jesus saw him. And it meant so much to Nathaniel that he goes, okay, now I know that you are teacher and you are king over Israel. And so he goes from this, 
Yeah, okay. I know you've got a word of prophecy. You can tell me that there's no guile in me. But when you tell me that you saw me under the fig tree, that's a different story. <laughs> so that's powerful. And then Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to him, you saw me under the fig tree, you believe, uh, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Very much connected to the opening of the book of John. When he says, hereafter you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So this is an incredible passage of, of how God is beginning to call a group. Or oh, it's his insight. It's so different in the book of Matthew, so different in the book of Mark, so different in the book of Luke, of how Jesus calls his disciples. John gives us incredible personal, uh, there are some personal notes that are really connected to, to uh, how Jesus calls us and how he knows us and how he touches us. And so the three things I want to land on in this passage of scripture uh, you see it so clearly in the first few verses from verses 35 is the importance of people who prepare the way for other people. That's really important. Secondly, what are you looking for? What are you seeking for? There's a note there. And then thirdly, there is a ladder on your life that God has placed on your life. And that's really important. And so when you look at John standing with two disciples and he's, he's had an incredible day the day before, everything that John's been preaching for came to pass the day before. When he looked up and as he was baptizing, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was a big day. Sheldon preached to us about that. It was so amazing. And so he's standing with his two disciples the next day. And he says, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's talking to his two disciples. And something about the way John is saying it, or maybe there was a lengthier conversation that went on after that with his two disciples. His two disciples begin to follow after Jesus. And, uh, and uh, they leave John. And we know that that's going to be a permanent situation. They leave John and they move on and they begin to follow Jesus. And what John speaks to us about here is the power of how you can prepare the way of the Lord for somebody. And this is a great ministry. This is a beautiful, beautiful ministry. It is amazing. When you know how to prepare the way or God uses, and all of us are called to do this at some stage, at some level. We're called to do it in our natural lives as parents, to prepare the way for our children, to be seekers of God, but also to find their life and find their career and so forth. You are a preparer of the way of the Lord. 
And what it lets us know instantly is that even the Lord who is majestic and called and had left heaven and now come to earth through this incredible birth through Mary and so forth, even Jesus needed a preparer of the way so that he could arrive on the scene. And I've got about six things that I share when I share around this thought of how incredible this gift is to be a preparer of the way of the Lord for somebody. But I'm going to share two with you. And it's, it's connected to this passage of Scripture or the, the thought is definitely here. I just want to say to this house and all the volunteers and the people that are working here, and our youth leaders and our children's church and people who are right now looking after our babies in the crash. Do you know that when, and the people who sing and come early and pray and run connect groups and make this house happen, you are preparing the way of the Lord to help somebody find Jesus and connect to Jesus. And when you do what you do, right from the greeting of the door, right through all of these areas, somebody can come to this house on a Sunday morning, have the word and worship wash over their soul, and something can shift in their life and their eternal destiny and their calling. That is a beautiful thing. That is a gracious thing. You know, since the months I've been here, how many people have received Christ as Lord and Savior? But who knows the stories of people who have been sitting in our chairs who on a Sunday morning uh, received healings, received a sense of direction that God, I'm going to do this. And we think that it's just going to be credited to the preacher. No. It's when we all become preparers of the way of the Lord. That somebody can meet Jesus. The second aspect of a preparer of the way of the Lord, and I love this one, is when you can help somebody find their ministry and their gift and release them. This is exactly what John was doing that day. Did John have an idea that out of releasing those two disciples to follow Jesus. He was setting ablaze a Peter. And if you study the history of these amazing disciples, you understand how missions began in the early church and how these 12 apostles took it like burning, well, like foxes with burning tails and just ran into the harvest and opened up nations and places. And it was going to be amazing. But it took someone to recognize that it might not be me, but I'm going to release the gift and release the ministry that's on the inside of you. And I believe that in this season, sometimes somebody doesn't see it in themselves. Sometimes people don't want to see it because they understand that they've got all kinds of crooked stuff or mountainous obstacles or deep valleys that there's been in their lives and they just they just can't see it for themselves but it takes a preparer of the way of the Lord to sit in front of somebody to have coffee with somebody 
to share with somebody and say to them, you know what? I think God wants to use you like this. Do you know what I see on you? I see this gift on you. I see this amazing call of God on your life. And when that word comes and that witnesses with something, with somebody, you can change somebody's life. It is an amazing, it's amazing, it is an amazing gift. You know, I, I wasn't personally involved in this young man's life. And a young man by the name of Stephen, who I think was at that time year 12, standard 10 in South Africa. And he was in the youth, so he was under the current pastor that's pastoring our church in South Africa. He was under Regan. Regan was our youth pastor. And St- I would see Stephen on a Friday morning because our youth used to take the sound to the schools and do um, the morning assembly. And Stephen, who I know, you know, after I saw what happened to him, came from a very, uh, came from a poorer area. Lovely young man, greeted with such great respect. But I would always see Stephen with a speaker on his back because he'd be carrying the speakers in, carrying the speakers out, carrying the speakers in, carrying the speakers out. And, uh, you know, I'd greet him and he'd greet me with such great respect. That's probably the deepest Stephen and I went. But he was under Pastor Regan. And we planted a church Southwest in, in Cape Town, near Butter Noster, uh, Club Mykonos, down that way. Beautiful fishing villages. And an, uh, an older man who was on our staff went down there, took some people with him. And, and Pastor Regan, who spoke to Stephen, uh, said to him one day, maybe you should think to take a year of your life and go down with Pastor Willie and go and serve him down in Badenoster. And I think Regan was sharing that with him because I don't know if Regan prayed. And Stephen said, I'll do it. Stephen went down. It was going to take a year. Stephen is still in the fishing village. And Stephen is pastoring that church today. That young boy who carried speakers is past. He's now 27. He's married. He's got two children. And he's Pastoring that church today in the southwest of Cape Town, just west of Cape Town, I think that's how the geography is. Isn't that beautiful? That's amazing. That's good. And you have no idea when you set someone ablaze and when you prepare the way of the Lord for somebody, it can change somebody's life. So I'm done with my time. The second thing, as preparers of the way of the Lord, second thing is when he says to them, what do you seek? Can you bring us that letter, Steve? Uh, He says, what do you seek? I was going to take some time to talk about. No, I don't have time. I know, I know my time. What time is it? (laughs) I know my time. So, so, you know, the next thing that I wanted to bring out, and I'll just share it with us quickly, and this is such a beautiful thought of when they following him, and that's why I said to you to look at that word, 
these two disciples start following him. And there's something about the sense of when you follow Jesus, right? When you follow, he can feel your heart. He knows when you're following him. He knows when you're, you're there because the crowd's there. He does. You can see that in the Gospels, right? He knows when you're there and you have an agenda. And, you know, I can't say I've not had an agenda following. But he knows when you're following him with your heart. Young, older, and he feels them. And the Bible says he turns. And there's very few passages of Scripture in the Bible where God turns. And it's a beautiful thing when God turns. The Bible says he turns and he looks at them and he says, Why? What are you looking for? What do you want? What is the deep-seated need in your heart and in your life? What are you looking for? It is a potent question. So what do you want? Because there are some wants in our lives that can be extremely dangerous. Or Look, God wants us to want. That's why the psalmist says in verses, Psalm 23 verses 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, meaning, that's not a sense of I don't have, you know, I'm not, I've got a car, a house, a castle. It's not, it's not what he's talking about. The want he's talking about is these desires in our hearts that can lead us off track or lead us into places that we don't want. And I, Phil, would you come here for a second? I'm going to use you for a couple of examples. Sorry, Phil, you're going to hate me for this, but you can, you can beat me up afterwards, okay? Stand here with me. Sean, can you come? Come here quickly. So, if this is the source of life, if this is Jesus, right? If this is Jesus, and these are my wants, and I don't know if this want is a car, and it could be a circle of wants around you, right? I don't know if it's a car, if it's a promotion, if it's something for my children, if it's ministry, if it's God, if it's fix my life. I don't know what these ones are, right? So here's me, and I have some ones. What are you looking for? That's what Jesus, what's your deep-seated need? What, what, that's a potent question. So what are you looking for? So he says, uh, and I'm going to share this. I shared this principle a lot from a certain time in my ministry. The Lord revealed this to me, and I knew it as a young boy growing up under Pastor Tom. But it got revealed to me, and I shared it in this way. And that is when, when you know what you want. And then there are some wants that the enemy places in your heart. He placed the want in Eve's heart to go, if you eat this, you'll be like God. That's a wrong want. And he placed that want in Eve's heart. And that took Eve off into deception, into destruction, into disappointment. It took her off into a journey, right? Adam and Eve, and then he took us all off into that journey. And that came out of a wrong want. Right? So, 
Here's your wants. And the Bible says he gives us the desires of our hearts. It's a massive scripture. All right. So whatever that want is, and I want this one. And so human nature, the way we designed, and he designed us this way to work and progress, is to go after this, right? And there's nothing wrong with this. When you come into Christ, here's how he wants you to do it. Is of course to understand that he doesn't sit there tomorrow and say, I want you to want this, I want you to want this. I think some of that is that, but there are some wants that he places in your heart. The same as the devil places wants, wrong wants in your heart. There are some wants that he places in your heart. But he loves what you want. But here's how it works in God. When you simply take all your life, your energy, your worship, and you go after your want. That's, look at the focus. It's all about this. And what it's doing, it's drawing you away from the source of life. And anytime you go away from the source of life, you change as a person. You get your want, but you're drifting from the source of life. So the simple picture of this is that you understand what your want is, but you, you look to him and you draw closer to him. Now he knows what you want. His, Jesus is looking at what you want. And as you draw closer to him, and there's many ways you can do that, he lets you see your one through his eyes. And when you see your one through his eyes, that one is a lot different when you simply go after it that, this way. When you see your one through the eyes of Jesus. Thanks, Sean. You may, you, you may, no, no, you're, you're not done. <laughs> And so, you know, want what he wants. And then, and then this last scripture. So, Phil, in a moment, I need you to get in underneath this ladder and then just hold it on your life, uh, hold it on your body or on your whatever. Right? So, this, this is a massive ending to the chapter. This is a crescendo. It's a climax. And you've got to hear it. You just have to hear it. When he speaks this to Nathaniel, he says, you're enamored with the word of knowledge that I've had over your life. I saw you under the fig tree. He says, you have no idea. He said, year after, you'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And I don't have time to go into Jacob's ladder, but Jacob has the same dream. When Jacob dreams, he's in a mess. He puts the stone down. He sleeps. The Bible says he has a dream. And then he sees a ladder extended. And he sees angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He says, I get it that you understand that word of knowledge is powerful. Here's what I want you to know is that my whole desire is to get heaven into your world 
on to earth. This is the connection. I, want, I need to get heaven into your world. And so he says to him, hereafter, you're going to see angels ascending. That means angels are here. They're going up and they're coming down. It talks about having access into heaven. And I'm just going to cut a lot out, but I'm going to say this about this. So do you know who this ladder is, right? This ladder is Jesus. And do you know why he's the ladder? He's the ladder because he was the sacrifice. And I'm just rounding it out in John's complete declaration in John chapter 1. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What's John saying? He's going to sacrifice his life so that we can live. He's going to sacrifice his life so that we can live. And he was the sacrifice. You know what takes, what brings heaven to earth and allows earth to go into heaven and to have this access point into, in, on earth? Sacrifice. Sacrifice is huge. God counts the sacrifice. God keeps the sacrifice. God knows the sacrifice. And every stripe, okay, Phil, you're going to do this for me. I, I'm just not going to take it. Every stripe, just climb the ladder on the outside for now. Every, if you do a stripe, every stripe, just climb halfway up. Every thing beaten, every left glory, Came to earth, born in a manger, ridiculed by the Pharisees, loved by the sinners, and all this while, the sacrifice was building up. And then he climaxes. Can you sort of turn around and just stand with your back like this? Yeah, and just put your hands out like that. Up on a tree with a spear going through his side. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And every drop of blood that fell took away every sin and every life. And that sacrifice has given us complete access to come boldly to the throne room of God. But in closing, come down, Phil. Can you just get inside that ladder? Now you can pick it up. Pick it right up. Pick it right up like this. That's what it means to have Christ on you. Sorry. Uh, you, you might think that's weird. But you know, when you sacrifice, you can I just say this? Your sacrifice, every step of sacrifice has not been wasted. Not been wasted. Every tear cried, not been wasted. Every delay, not been wasted. Because it's on these steps. Woo, I feel something in this life. It's on those steps that a sister, a brother, a ministry is going to step up on into heaven. Sacrifice is what brings heaven to earth and earth 
to heaven. The church is not this. A calling and a gift and a pastor is not this. This is Christ, our high priest, our kingsman redeemer, the lover of our soul. He's the ladder on our lives. And let me tell you, when people come into this world and they don't know how to get from where they are, maybe they're bound, maybe they're captive. When a ladder walks into their midst, all of, all of a sudden there's a way to go from there to there, which is absolute freedom. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. Amen. You can stand. Thanks, Phil. You're, you're